1: and welcome to the latest man on the post-european football podcast i am your host james rowe and once again i'm joined by my partner in crime scott munro scott good evening how are you
0: i'm very well a bit drained with the sporting exploits we had over the weekend i was in cheltenham for the swimming game and the cricket on sunday and plus the hot weather we've had here in the uk it's been a bit mental it's it's been a bit draining how about yourself
1: yeah, it's OK. I've been very, very busy with the football interviews and uh, they've been coming thick and fast. I spoke to a player today, Jael um, Aysen, who uh, who plays in Latvia. So that it's nice to hear, uh, speak to uh, Dutch players that are playing abroad. Or He, uh, f- excuse me. <coughs> he actually represented Kudasal at um, youth international level. So it was very interesting to hear his story. And um, yeah, been going really, really well, and just had to keep up the good work, really, and uh, look forward to what the future brings. Hmm. Uh, we are now we are going to start this evening, Scott, by uh, your mastermind, best subject ever, never get a question wrong. When we <laughs> speak about Syria, um, what are your thoughts on the opening round of uh, action in Syria from last weekend?
0: Uh, just a bit mental. There's a bit, um, there's very high scoring games, some far controversy, and a lot of good football played. I managed to catch three games, so I missed the Palmer Juve game as I was on the way back from the Champions winning game on a disgustingly hot. GWR train with only three carriages
1: um, is that great western train yeah,
0: G- yeah
1: I haven't lost it I haven't lost it I haven't lost it I <laughs> have forgot it all these, after all these
0: years if you still they've still got problems by the way three carriages were about 500 football fans waiting at and Spar to go back to Swindon but hey ho, um, I managed to catch the Saturday night game which was an absolute bouter um, and Napoli it had everything a very I would say a, a very youthful Fiorentina side, who looks more fresh and played with no fear against the Napoli side, who were just a couple of additions, just Manalas was the only pretty much starter. Oh, and uh, the guy they got from Empoli last uh, in the summer, played at right back. Um, Hervin Lozano hasn't started yet, so he might get um, some minutes on Sunday, which is um, a... no, Saturday they're playing. They have uh, Juventus um, on oh. Saturday. It was a, a massive game. Round two, we've got some absolute two massive games. You've got the Derby della Capitale on Sunday evening and then you've got the uh, Juve Napoli game on um, Saturday evening. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I would say the game of the round was the um, Fiorentina game. We just had some very strange VAR decisions. Driesma in scoring an absolute wonderful goal and then not covering himself in glory with with the penalty dive he won for the second goal, which didn't go to VAR. And I've seen it probably about ten or twelve times. How many? Ten or twelve? Yeah, it's very it's horrible. He it just he I think he anticipates something from I think it's Milenkovic, the Serbian mm. centre back, but nothing happens, and he just drags his foot on the floor and wins a penalty, and it doesn't go to VAR no one in the VAR booth checks it and the the referee of that game and the officials who are on VAR duty have been suspended for this upcoming fixtures so they won't be refereeing any games. Um, oh but, interesting. But I will say this anyone gets a chance watch Kevin Prince Boateng's goal watch Dries Merten's uh, goal for the equalizer and watch Callahan's goal for the Napoli Third, which it was just mm. one that, uh, it is typical now play, just wonderful counter-attack in slick football. Um, I will say um, Atalanta, I haven't checked the highlights, but I've seen the score. Did brilliantly to come from 2-0 down to win at Spa Luis mm. Muriel um, being the star on his first game of the season for them, for his new club after joining from Sevilla um, after a lone spell in Fiorentina. Um, roma Genoa was an, just an absolute crazy game as well. roma blue. A 1-0 lead, a 2-1 lead, a 3-2 lead. Um, I was very impressed with Genoa, how they set up. They sort of, Genoa seemed to like, they always played this like 3-5-2, 3-4-3, but they were a bit um, stodgier. Um, Roma did break them down on more on one occasion, but as soon as it went to 3-3, Genoa sort of just like dropped back and it made it even harder for Roma. But I will say Lassa Schoenner, and we've talked about this in the past, excellent debut for him. He, I think he will he will do well in Serie A this season. Um, he's, he did the screening job in front of the back three for Genoa and just didn't look out of place. Um, my only concerns for Roma, as being a Roma fan, is the defence. When you've got a defence of Juan Jesus and Fazio and you're trying to play a high line, it's just screaming trouble and time and time again. Just a straight ball over the top was just causing causing them trouble. But going forward, Roma looked very exciting. Cengiz scored an absolute stonker of a goal. Um, could have scored a second minutes later. Justin Clive played well. I was impressed with Zaniolo and Ellen Jerko. I'm just intrigued to see Dioara and Verity when they get into it. Um, Lazio were, I haven't seen the highlights again like the Atalanta game, but I think they come out, blocks fantastically well. And impressed with Breccia winning away at calorie. and Having a, go- a couple of goals disallowed due to VAR as well, and I watched the Inter Milan game last night, and we did say last week, I didn't think Andra, uh, uh, Antonio Candreva would uh, get a run in, but he played right wing back, and played very well, and scored one that, I would say, the contender for the goal of the round. Uh, 30, already. already a 30-yard scream into the top corner, and there's some photographic evidence going around, and he looked completely shell-sho- shell-shocked sorry, when he scored.
1: As far as I'm aware, Candelario also played for Lazio, yes.
0: Yes, he did, and he also played yeah, for Juventus I, I know, as well. I know
1: of him. I know of him from his Lazio days, and I know he's a very good player. For me, obviously, you're the Italian expert. For me, the result of that round was Lazio winning yes. away to Victoria. Yeah. I thought that not not just winning, but winning three nil. Yeah, and that, that was very impressive. And obviously, with Inter, you know, winning four nil at home to Lecce, uh, you spoke about uh, Lassusioni, the man is a consummate professional and always has been. You know, this is someone who was um, who used to play for Nijmegen and, and um, transferred to Ajax. And he, he got so much heart for the club and was a consummate professional. And um, he deserves this transfer. And um, I think it's something that, um, that he deserves. And um, I think he'll do very, very well for Genoa. Uh, as a Milan fan, if you like, it's not really getting any better, is it? That Obviously, was I'm not, a strange I'm, result. I'm, I'm, I'm not basing it on just one game. But I know time flies. But if you think of the dynasty that Ancelotti created at that club, where it was held up in one regard as the greatest club in the world at one point, I believe that was 2007 when they won the Champions um, League. Yeah, not not just because they won the World Club Cup and were crowned champions of the world, but ev- the whole setup they had um, in the, in that previous three years was just uh, everybody was in awe, really, and for it to fall so hard so quickly. Is a real. I don't mean in terms of you know potential relegation or anything. It's just it's like it's like akin to Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Bayern Munich now becoming mediocre. Mm. That that's how big it is yeah. And um, so looking at Vermafire, I hope they very much improve.
0: They do. They the, do play of, Brescia at the weekend, I was just hoping that we're going to talk about the same sort of thing. The story of the weekend off the field.
1: Uh, well, it's mainly a, a Dutch story where okay. they took it, upon, where they took it upon themselves to ask Ronald Koeman, who took part in a sports uh, TV show uh, sa- Sunday evening about Matthijs de Licht and about the fact that he's not playing and what happens if he doesn't, if he, can, if he doesn't, uh, if, 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 he, if he doesn't continue to play, uh, what will Koeman do? And Koeman just said the following: He spoke to Matthijs de Licht about a fortnight ago. Matthijs de told Ronald Koeman he's fully aware that he's got to adapt to a new environment, both on and off the pitch, and that will take time. And even if he does not play as regularly as what the Dutch media hope he will play, Koeman also stated that he had a full pre-season mm. uh, where he trained, where he trained regularly, so he's up to speed because the Dutch are panicking because they play Germany in Hamburg on September the 6th. And should they not get three points uh, again, the, uh, the, um, the rumblings will go on about potentially missing Euro 2020, but due to the fact they, um, they, um, won their respective Nations League group, they're assured at least a playoff. Mm. So, so any, any, um, any, any worries that they have at the minute are a little bit premature. But I think Matthijs de Licht has made a tremendous decision for himself. If you talk about the Italian school of defending, I just think it's the Dutch media and the obsession with Barcelona and Frankie de Jong, so wonderful for choosing Barcelona. Uh, they expected Matthijs de Licht to do the same, but he's got he's got his own brain, he's got his own wishes, and I think he's made a tremendous choice. And it's just, it's also one in the eye for every Dutch. A journalist who expects every great player to go from Ajax to Barcelona it doesn't work like that and it shouldn't work like that you know it's nice when they choose different countries and, and different challenges ahead and um, as I say he needs time and they haven't brought him for nothing they've brought him because they know eventually he will be the greatest centre back in the world and um, that will take time and uh, Ube have got a real player on their hands and um, he's just got to remain patient yeah.
0: he will do he'll get his time um, I do think Leo Benucci's on the way down. He didn't have his best season, but Dalit will be in in some form in not the so distant future be partnering Giorgio Callini at the center back. I will say the massive story off the field and it was brilliant to see was um Sanisa back on the coach, yes. on the touchline. Um sorry I just took a swig of coffee and sort of went down the wrong way <laughs> well no uh,
1: yeah, if he's talking about Italian football and not drinking coffee true.
0: people would think what's going on true um, but Sunisa Mihailovic making his uh, comeback on the touchline you could see the the problems that have eroded with his leukaemia because he, he looks like he's lost a lot of weight and had a massive bandage on his neck and I think he's been doing quite a lot of chemotherapy but it's really really nice to see him on the touchline they drew one all at Hellas Verona um only scored from the penalty spot for Bologna. And then um, Miguel Veloso scored an excellent free kick for Hellas Verona, and it finished 1-0. But um, I don't think he's going to be on the touchline for this weekend's game. But maybe in the next few weeks, he'll be on the on the touchline, barracking his orders like he usually does.
1: Well, se- uh, health comes first. Definitely. he's um, East, um uh, you know, it's bit by bit, step by step. I mean, you you think of uh, the career that the man had. And in the case of English press, reg- they don't th- they don't think about his career. They just label him as a racist for when he racially abused Patrick Vieira. Racism is abhorrent in every way, shape, and form. But I'm just making a point that this is a man going through major health changes, and it's also an ex-professional footballer who had a very good career. Mm. And uh, I think that can often be forgotten. I think.
0: Definitely agree. Definitely agree. And just. Um... He's done so well in the last six, seven months
1: at Bologna and I'd like to see him continue his work. Mm, let's hope so. We shall keep our fingers crossed. We are now going to move on to France and Stade Rennes are top. So I would like to say to everyone who cussed me and said that I'm a complete plonker when I told them back in March when Arsenal played Rennes how good a side they were. I'd like to say it's nice to be proven right, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's nice because I, I know I'm, I've been watching football for nigh on 30 years and I know a good side when I see one. And, um, I'm, I know it's very, very early in the season. They might not stay, uh, top of the league, but the fact remains after three games, they're the only team in, in Liga with, uh, with three wins. And, um, they, uh, they're full of surprises. They're an excellent side. They're also playing in the Europa League again this um, this year and I believe that they are going to pull up some surprises again in the Europa League and they've got uh, a young player Eduardo Canavinga Canna, uh, 16 who, years uh, old who made mincemeat of Paris saint and has given them a new outlet and um this is they've got Clement Grenier, they've also got they've got a wonderful player called Benjamin Borgio uh, who I cannot believe for the life of me, has not been picked up by another team. Um and, I mean I no disrespect to Wren, but he's an excellent player. Does he, he really does he have
0: ties in, um in Holland?
1: Uh, uh not I'm aware of, he came through the famous Academy at Lance Oh, okay. And uh, he's also a French under twenty international. Says, yes. uh, he came through at Lons and made uh, many appearances for the club. But he's just an excellent player. I was I was hoping that Arsenal would go in for him. He's that good. I mean, I think he's I think he's brilliant. And um, uh, he's, uh, I was speaking to our um, fellow podcaster of uh, Man on the Post podcast network, Chris Etchingham, Etchingham about um, about Ren and how good they were on the on the chat. And um, yeah, they're they're going to. They're going to pull up many, many uh, teams this year. And they're under the good treat to live as you have a good manager as well. to have a manager in, um, in Julian Stéphane.
0: Stéphane has only been at the club probably about eight months, maybe just a bit yeah. longer.
1: And uh, as I say, I, I mean, I, I say it as an Arsenal fan as well. We were exceptionally lucky to beat Rennes over two legs back in March. And yes, we won the second leg 3-0 but that that does not tell the whole story at all and um I'm, I'm pleased for them that they're coming back and they're coming back stronger and um should they face some good teams or an english team in the in the europa league i hope people do not take for granted what has gone 6 months before because they have gotten stronger and um i think it could well be a very very interesting story uh, this this year. I'm not getting carried away in terms of it could be the ultimate, but I just think that they're an excellent side, and um, I think they'll go from strength to strength. They might cause um, a lot of teams some problems, but I
0: do think they might fall away. I do think this Leon side. Could be a little bit too strong for him, and you know what's going to happen in PSG. They, when they, when they want to play, they can play, and they also have eyes on this Champions League. But it's a fantastic start for um, for Ren, and I also will say it's good to see Mbain young, but scoring. He had a, a bit of a torrid time in Italy with Milan and a little bit of Torino where he went through like 30, maybe 34, 35 games of scoring. but no. now he seems to be finding his boots again, scoring boots sorry, at the beginning of this season and he's been firing them in, I, I'm a massive fan of Clement Grenier, he was on loan at Roma uh, at the end of the 16-17 season so he came in January and he played a couple of games but he's so fantastically technical on the ball and he just adds a bit of class into the midfield and we, I think he will help out Camavingo, he's only 16 and he's already set the world alight And that performance against PSG just last week was fantastic I just hope to see there's more to come from, from Ren.
1: Well it appears they're going to stay top of uh, Ligue 1 because uh, Montpellier are beating Lyon at home Ooh, That's, as, that's as we tonight, speaking. yeah
0: and Lil... it's,
1: No, it's h- half time at the moment, they kicked off, um, I believe they kicked off at 7 o'clock local time here And we're an hour ahead here in Europe and, um, yeah, maybe they'll turn it around. And, um, uh, and, um, yeah, I think Ren will, Ren will then stay top. And, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I was just, I was just slightly distracted there because there's a, um, the player that scored for Montpellier, Arnold Suke. He's also a very underrated player. I remember watching him when he played for Nice against Ajax. And you know, when names stick, and you think I've heard of him, he seems, I've seen him play, or he seems pretty good, I was slightly distracted there, listeners, by looking at who scored for Montpellier, and it was Arnaud Souquet, who I actually saw play against Nice, for Nice against Ajax in 2000, and when was it, 16 I think it was, time goes by so quick, it's honestly that brain of mine, (laughs) but um yeah, Ren is a very very interesting story, and I believe that we are going to speak a fair few uh, times about them this season in um, in um, in the French in the French leagues. They do and, uh, not not that I'm a betting man, but they're currently priced at sixty to one to win the league. But uh, you know, what's the euro of my money?
0: True, they do play um, Nice at the weekend, and Nice, who also have won two out of two, do play Marseille at home tomorrow, so that could be three out of three because Marseille have not started League One this season. I hope
1: it's Marseille, honestly, I, I, basket for, case, but I think, yeah, but for arguably the biggest club in the country, I mean, Man United think they've got problems, <laughs> you've got they've got nothing on Marseille. Mm. We, I, I, I don't mean nothing in terms obviously, Manchester United is the club with the biggest stature, but what I'm saying is. United fans are getting themselves into a tiz because they lose at home to Crystal Palace. What I mean is that you've got nothing on Marseille in terms of how erratic they are in terms of form. Very
0: true.
1: We are now going to move on to the Champions League where only six teams will be allowed into the famous, wonderful group stage. It used to be 10, but obviously they cut it down because nobody wants to see certain teams, certain champions, play certain champions, but never mind. It is what it is. And, um, and tonight we see the second legs of, uh, Klausnerdal Olympiagos, Red Star, Belgrade and Young Boys and, uh, Rosenborg and Dynamo Zagreb. Tomorrow is, um, Ajax against Applewell, or, or as I like to call it, Ajax against the away goal, because that, that is basically who their opponent is. Because if they score, if Applewell score one, Ajax have to score two, and then they're against the clock and so on and so on and so on. To finish the, um, the Champions League fixtures: Slavia Prague at home to Kluge. and uh, Club Brugge, as we say here, Club Brugge, are at uh, home to Linsk of, of Austria. So, uh, be interesting to see. What's your thoughts on the uh, on the second legs of the Champions League matches, Scott? Um, I know we talked off a bit pre-pod
0: um, about Ajax, and I know they didn't play at the weekend. Their game has been
1: rescheduled for for late September, didn't we?
0: We were talking yeah, about.
1: Tw- I believe the twenty fifth they'll be at home to Fortuny Setas. Yeah, just I just think like last season they put
0: all their eggs into that basket for that one. Um, I think they could be if they if they concede early at home to Apple well, I can see I can see it being a a bit of a, a nervy evening in Amsterdam. Mm. I will say um tell you, Young Boys versus Svena Fedda, sorry, Red Star Bill Grade has the, the hallmarks to be a be a bit of a classic with the tie equally mm. poised at 2-2. And um, Red Star coming back from, was it winning the penalty shootout in uh, was it, was it Co- Copenhagen, Copenhagen? Yeah, which I seem to go on forever and ever and ever. I think he finished, was it 7-6? I
1: believe so, yes.
0: Yeah, so that has the hallmarks of of uh, being a bit of a classic. Um, Olympiacos Krasnodar. I think that could be over already with um, Olympiacos yeah. being 4 <coughs> nil up from the first leg. Uh, I agree. Yeah, uh, Krasnodar did brilliantly against Porto in, the, in the, one of the previous rounds. Absolutely shocked Porto. Porto have just been poor this season so far. Mm-hmm. But that one seems to be already sort of over um, just trying to look through the other. Spider prior Cluj could be interesting if Cluj can nick an away goal. But yeah, this it seems like the main talking
1: point could be if if Ix could be dethroned <coughs> dethroned by Apollon Nicosia Well, you say dethroned, but the winner of the Eredivisie gets an automatic place in the Champions League next season.
0: Oh, they actually started changing that now because
1: yeah, no, it, it's very they're very sharp on the terms of when it starts and when it finishes and Ajax for example were fighting against bettering the results of Austrian teams in order to be eligible to have those kind of uh, participants but as I say no two European seasons are the same and you have to take your chances when they come Mm. and here in Amsterdam as well with the run of last season it made everybody so proud but the, the disappointment to concede in the dying moments to Tottenham was not just not going to the final, but also the fact that this it's very, very unlikely that this chance will come round if ever again. I mean, the last time that Ajax were on the um, verge of reaching the semi-finals of the Champions League was 2003. That shows you how long ago it was. And it, it likely doesn't strike tr- uh, twice. And the warning signs were there against uh, Paul Niki. There were warning signs there, especially in the first half. And um be interesting to see what happens. They've lost Schoen, they've lost De Ligt, they've lost uh, Frenkie de Jong. Yes, there are other players, but sometimes tournaments have their own rhythm and uh, and nothing stays the same forever. And I sincerely hope I'm wrong in my, in my prediction, but my prediction is 2-2. Away goals. Yeah, and again, this rule of away goals was introduced in the in the 70s to encourage attacking football. And now you've reached a point where teams that win unexpected wins, victories, and and good results, when a team concedes now, it's oh no, we considered away goal, but yet you won the game. That people don't seem to celebrate. A victory the way they used to because, oh no, we conceded an away goal and it could be vital. I'm not just saying it because my own club was, um, was a victim of away goals, if you like, against the likes of Monaco and Bayern Munich. But the fact remains there needs to be something done. There really does need to be something done because you're seeing really, really good teams getting knocked out on away goals. Um, and again, you know, it's an away goal can come from, it out, from, from any kind of, um, situation could be a set piece could be a free kick away goals falling in injury time and everything so I hope UEFA look at that in future you know because the Champions League is becoming a closed shop I mean you see that now with only six teams going into the group phase whereas it used to be 10 and before too long that will go down to only three that will only go that will go down to from six places to three places eventually before and that's just my opinion And um, it would just become a closed shop. And then you have as well with the draw. It used to be exciting to watch watch the Champions League draw. Nine times out of ten, you're getting games that have been played as recently as the season before last. Mm. And with maybe 60% of the squad that played that game before. Possibly a new manager, different ingredients, but the whole excitement of, of different matchups is kinda of taking that away. I mean obviously with Arsenal in the Europa League you come up against teams that um you don't see every day of the week. And as a European connoisseur, I actually like that. But obviously there are some that say, Oh, it's not the Champions League, I'm not interested but, you know, my team hasn't been in it for three years and when we when we get back into it eventually we're gonna have a bit of a shock because it moves on at such a pace. And um you know, I, I, as I said before, I would much rather have success in the Europa League and then go into the Champions League as winners rather than just, you know, top four and get Champions League because at the minute, what are Arsenal going to do in that competition? But that's for another day. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Europa League, Scott? Do you see any ties being uh, being in the balance in the Europa League? Do you see any shocks in that respect?
0: Uh, well, I I was going to watch this last week, but... I didn't, which was the Wolves Torino game. And mm. I think the result maybe saw my feeling of it because Wolves are, they're, what, two, now they're three games into the season, into the Premier League season, but they've been playing football since what, mid July. And Torino have only just been playing um, pre season games and the Europa League qualifiers. And evidently the Serie A season started at the weekend and they beat Sassuolo 2 0. And my mm. feeling was just they could have been just a, a game too short for them. But three two, I think I will watch the second leg. Um, that could be interesting. It's, it's actually on British TV on Thursday, so I watched that. Um, I think. Be interesting. It, yeah, and, um, go on. I will, I will say it's, it's on Premier Sports, which is um, which has the rights. I think Celtic should be fine. They're two up from the first leg, and um,
1: yeah, and uh, are they? are they at home to. Um, no, they're away uh, against. They're away. The away at Aik a- 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 in Sweden. Oh no, yeah. Um, I interviewed I interviewed their Swedish midfielder Sebastian Larsson back in February, so uh, maybe he wants to, a reunion with Arsenal and wants to see them through to the group stage. Um, I said on last week's pod that I believe Antwerp will dispatch of said and possibly uh, Felix Varos could reach the uh, group phase and become uh, headline news in Europe for the first time in a very long time. And again, the away goal may well prove vital at Rangers. I was was
0: just going to say the same thing. That might hover hover over over their heads but they've started the scottish league pretty well they've won their three games um they won 1-0 away at the weekend with an excellent free kick and they didn't play the week before in the in the league because it was the i think it's the scottish league cup but um mm. they did dispatch hibs and they, to be honest they could have won that game about eight or nine one they i think uh, i think the stats were they had like 32 shots on goal and mm. Defoe scored a brilliant hat trick, and Morella scored a couple, so that could be interesting. Tight, so I will say. Uh, if Espanyol get through, that could be it'd be nice.
1: Yeah, oh, I agree. I think they got they reached the final in two thousand and seven, I believe. Seville. Yeah, I watched them in the group phase beat Ajax, and uh, they beat Ajax here in Amsterdam, and everybody was shocked, and everyone said, like, "How is it possible? Oh, this is terrible!" But I, as I was saying to everyone when I left the stadium. Espanyol playing the best league in the world. So, you know, obviously they, they they've been um they've been well prepped. Um one final thing about the Europa League. For me, I know it's the luck of the draw, but I do find it a bit of a shame that one of Eintracht Frankfurt or Strasbourg will not be in the yeah. Europa League this season. That is a real um I have nothing against uh Eintracht Frankfurt. They had a tremendous season last season. But I think for Strasbourg winning the French League Cup it would be nice for them to go back into the Europa League after such a long time. It'd be nice for for different teams, you know. I think um, Sporting Braga as well against Spartak Moscow. I think that could be a very very interesting one. It appears that P S P and Feyenoord are both through, and even Linfield of Northern Ireland um, take a lead uh, to Azerbaijan. But you think you would think with home advantage that we will turn that around, but we'll just have to wait and see. Stranger but, things have happened. Stranger things have happened, but it, as I say, it would be nice. You can't, you, you can't plot your way through European competition. You can't, you can't say, "Oh, we'll have them, we'll have them." It's the luck of the draw, and you see who you get. And uh, the final this year is in this season is in Gdańsk in Poland, and um, so if Arsenal do reach it, I will not have the. Uh, I will not have what I had last year in terms of flying to Baku and visas and that kind of thing. So uh, it could be a little bit more accessible. And also Trabzonspor of Turkey winning um, uh, winning at home to AAK Athens was also a very good result. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting to talk about the, um, the Europa League and possibly Champions League draw in the next pod
0: yeah I'm, I'm we'll say could limfield do what dundalk did a couple of years ago and dundalk getting through to the group stage i hope they
1: do i hope they do because then it'll mean more radio work for me <laughs> <laughs> because there i remember um, uh, a ra- um a radio station in northern ireland asked to get in touch with me to give them information about our said which is very very nice and uh, they also paid me for it which is also very very nice and um so yeah you just um you obviously the more work that comes in the better but obviously i won't be leaving man on the post anytime soon uh listeners we'd like to thank you for uh, joining us again this evening and we hope you enjoyed our subjects please do not be shy in forwarding questions f- uh, through in future and um yeah we'll be back uh next week where we'll most probably definitely be talking about the um that be Champions League draw and the Europa League draw. Would you sign up to that, Scott? I will indeed, because uh, both of our teams will probably be partaking in the
0: Europa League draw.
1: Indeed, they can't face one another as far no, as. No, they're way.
0: both seeded.
1: Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. And um, but yeah, I'm um, I'm hoping for a Dutch club because that's finally mean that finally means I don't have to have any time off work, and uh, I can go to maybe all three group games. That would be nice. It's, um, we'll just have to wait and see. It depends on the draw, it depends on the opponent and getting time off work. I only missed two European matches at home last season against Cadabagno and Valencia. I wanted to get the whole set, but you can't have it all in life, can you? So uh, might be a bridge too far to, um, to do it this time round. Uh, finally, before we sign off, we'd like to point you in the direction of the Man on the Post uh, podcast network, featuring the likes of Man on the Post Extra Time and Unusual Efforts, We do have something for everybody, so feel free to check it out and feel free to come and say hello from time to time. Uh, I look forward to you joining us again next week and finally, always remember to keep your man on the post.